Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by legendary trainer and great philosopher Teddy Atlas. And today we've got a third man in the studio with us. Super excited to talk to this guy, the unified super welterweight champion of the world, Julian J. Rock Williams. What's up, champ? How you doing, man? Thank you. Thank, thank, thanks for having me. It's Appreciate good you guys. You with us. Yeah. I, I even put the shirt out of retirement for you. Yeah. Yeah, for you because. I know. I mean, it sounds like such a given and such a commonplace phrase here um, for anybody that's going into something that's important. Uh, but I know that I, I don't I've never talked to you before, mm-hmm. but I know that this was your mindset, that there was no there was no surprise. There was no, you know, finding out in the first couple of rounds if I belong here. You already knew. Mm-hmm. You knew the answers. I did. It was just a matter of doing the test, but you knew the answers mm-hmm. before the test was yeah. done. Yeah. You know, some people might call that cheating, but but that's not cheating. That's preparation. That's confidence. Mm-hmm. And it's also being forged by something. Mm-hmm. You had already gone through the furnace. You had already gone through your own fire. Yeah. With earlier laws and with things in life, yeah, all those things set you up for this. Mm-hmm. And so I really did. I've, I, I I don't do things with if I don't mean it. I don't say it if I don't mean it. But I really thought, let me wear this. You know, it looked better on me a few years ago. <laughs> to be honest, it's kind of old. Right. It's the shirt that I wore when we were in camp for Mora and Holyfield. Okay. So it's twenty five years old, but um, and it did look better before. But I brought it out for you because again. There's, there was no doubt when I saw you in the ring, I saw your approach, I saw your fight plan, because you could have made a couple of you and your trainers, uh, the people with you who did a great job, mm-hmm. and one of them we're lucky enough to have here in the studio with us, um, they could have had options. You could have boxed on the outside. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was options to go with this. But just the way that you went about it, you went into the other guy's territory. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone said, well, if you're going to win the fight, it can't be on the inside. So yeah. you went right on the inside. Right. And and it was no accidents. What mm-hmm. you prepared for is exactly what you guys wanted to do. And that's why I said this shirt is perfect, because you expected to mm-hmm. win. You, you knew. It was kind of like I say to fighters, you had sketched it out already. That night, the win was sketched out in your mind, in your preparation. Now it was a matter of coloring it in. Yeah. It was done. Yeah. It was done. And I've never seen a situation more apropos to 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 this saying, mm-hmm. expect to win. Yeah. Because again, it becomes a cliche. People say, Oh yeah, of course I expect but they don't yeah, expect yeah, to win. Yeah. They don't expect to win. Right. They hope that they're gonna win. Right. But I saw it. I saw it in everything I just said. And you don't see that all the time, that this guy knows he's going to win. Mm-hmm. So I, I got this out of my I like the shirt. You might have to let me borrow that. Yeah, I, I will. It'll fit shirt. better on you there. <laughs> and the trainer you're referring to is Stephen Atwoods, who has only been training fighters since 2009. And he's now the trainer of the unified champion of the world. So he's he doesn't have a mic in front of him, but I wanted to make sure we recognized him because, like Teddy said, that was obviously a big part of the fight plan. And... You give the plan, the fighter executes it, so it's a real team effort. And so um, kudos to you, Steve. I'm super proud of you. Thank you. Uh, let's talk about the fight because 
that was a hell of a fight. Is that what you want to talk about? Or maybe you want to talk about the subway system? Oh, we, no, no, no. We got a, we, we've got a lot to talk about. This is one of the most interesting guys in boxing. So we've got a ton of topics to cover. The only reason I want to get to the fight no, is because I think a lot of the backstory and the other things involved that with your life are, mm -hmm. are incredibly interesting, too. I just want to make sure we get to the fight because the other stuff is real good. Right. So – in the fight, like I said, it was super all-action fight. I mean, it was super fun fight to watch. And, I mean, both of you guys at times looked really good. Obviously, I saw it like most people, a one-sided beatdown. But he had some flashes there. And one of the things that you mentioned earlier that I noticed was you were hitting him with combinations and stepping around. And that's something that you guys worked on. Maybe you can talk about what the fight plan was coming into the fight and how it played out in regards to what you expected. And I had one thing. Why? Because again, I said it, I think yeah. I said it right yeah, at the sure. beginning. You could have boxed on the outside. Right. There were options to this. Why did you choose to go right into the other guy's, you know, his wheelhouse, so to speak, and back up a guy that most people would have said that's the wrong choice? Mm -hmm. Uh, firstly, I think that, um, I think size gets a little bit overrated. If two guys weigh in, we, we both weighed in 154 pounds. He didn't get to weigh in at 168 and I had to come in at 54. He weighed in at 154 pounds. I think sometimes size get overrated and it's more about skill. How you use that size. How you, you have no, no doubt about it. I did notice that, uh, he was a slow starter. They try to make it seem like, like he starts slow on purpose. That's a flaw that he has. Of course. You know, nobody wants to lose rounds and nobody wants to get punched in the face. I know, at least I know I don't. Well, you not if you're I mean? normal. Not you if you're normal. Like right, right. Uh, as far as the game plan, I don't want to give it away too much because we might have to fight him again. Sure. But I think positioning and skill is, is so important. More so positioning. And you could be smart on the inside as well as on the outside. Absolutely. Most people think they equate in their mind, like, if he's going to outbox a guy who's supposedly bigger, yeah, stronger, right? Yeah. Because that was the perception going yeah. in. He's going to have to be on the outside, yeah. being agile, being, you know, giving eye. But you can do those things inside. Absolutely. Another another thing that my coach touched about was the perception of this fight was I was a smaller junior middleweight. He was going to walk me down, beat me up, and stop me late. Julian Williams is a little bit, he got some decent skill. He's a little bit flashy, but he don't got no power. He don't got no chin. And I'm expecting her to knock him out late. He's in his, her, his hometown. He got all the momentum. He's a unified champion. Who said all these things? Everybody. Sounds like a weatherman. <laughs> <laughs> they always get the weather wrong. Yep, yep. I love hearing this, right. though. I love it. And I love that you remember every word they said everything. like it was yesterday. I remember everything. Uh, so... Basically, my coach knew that the perception would win me the fight because the perception is I have to move to win the fight. And I'm saying to myself, Erisundulara is a five eight and a half. He probably could be a welterweight. He's pretty small. He needed a last-second knockdown. I'm not, I'm not taking nothing away from Jerry. He's a great fighter. But I call a spade a spade. It is what it is. He needed a last-second knockdown to beat Erisundulara, who's not a good inside fighter, who to me don't seem like he's physically strong. He got a decent punch, and he's pretty much a – uh, he fights off his back foot a lot. So I think at the top level of boxing, styles make fights. I can fight on the inside. I can fight in mid-range, and I can use and fight off my back foot. But going into the fight, we didn't – my coach said, well, listen, we're not running from him because you don't have to. You know, who knows if he's stronger than you? This is what he told me. He said, yo, he's stronger than anybody else. We don't know. He might not be stronger than you. You know what I mean? We went to – I went to – uh to uh to the Bay Area, I did a strength and conditioning camp for a month, for the whole month of February. 
Then I came back here. I started boxing camp. Then I went back out there in April for like half of April. And then I came back at like April 15th or 16th or something like that. And uh, we went into the fight. But it's just about, it's about skill. I knew I was more talented. I knew I had way better skill. I knew I had better defense. And I don't know if I kept that crowd quiet. It couldn't good. deny me. You're doing good. It couldn't deny me. If, if it's quiet in there, you're doing good. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yep. So, uh, I think he's a good fight. I just think I'm a bad style matchup for him. Um, no, I think what you did was you exposed him in in certain areas for for the people that. Oh, I don't want to say exposed because I think. Well, I uh, think you did expose him. I mean, mm-hmm. listen, that's that, that's not cursing somebody, mm-hmm. you know. That's that's not disrespecting somebody, no, right? You know, we can all we all have areas where we're not as strong as some people might think we, they mm-hmm. are. We we all do until you find out, right? Till you find out, right? And I think that you know you also taught people a little bit about what. You just said it yourself. What strength really is? Mm-hmm. There, there's physical strength. There's mental strength. There's emotional strength. He told me. He said sometimes strength is in your attitude. Well, I think to that point, I think your trainer obviously did a hell of a job by understanding such things and bringing them to you. But I think a part of it was you had two ways you could win the fight. You could win on mm-hmm. the outside. You could win on the inside. He only had one way. He uh, could one win. way. Yeah. One way. <laughs> yep. Yep. You're right. Inside, he wasn't yeah. winning on the outside. Mm-hmm. He wasn't out jabbing you. No. He wasn't out maneuvering you. He was. He wasn't uh, out um, mobile, mobiling you. Yeah. I just made that word up, but <laughs> you know, we, we we create things in here. Uh, he wasn't doing any of that. Mm-mm. So the only way he could win was inside. But if you could go inside and beat him, take, then you take you, everything away. From you him. discourage yeah, him. You discourage him. You take his hope away. Yeah. You know what that would be like. That would be like playing a basketball game against Shaquille O'Neal and you take away his inside game. And you got to make him shoot a jump shot. And you got to make him – he can't even shoot free throws. Now you got to make him shoot 20-foot shots. Game over, baby. Mm -hmm. And and that's genius in a way. And I'm careful about those words I use because I care about the legitimacy of what I say. Mm For myself, for my family, mm-hmm. for, you know, without your reputation, you have nothing. For sure. That's genius in its own way. Mm-hmm. That your coach understood that. Mm-hmm. That he was able to understand that and get you to understand it. That not only is are there ways to technically break a guy down, physically break a guy, but mentally, mentally and emotionally. Mm-hmm. That if you go inside and you beat him at his game, you are going to discourage him. Mm-hmm. And when you discourage a man, game over. It's not so much... Beating him at his own game. I remember my coach kept telling me, he said, man, this is before the fight. This was years ago. He said, fighters should never get obsessed with one with one trait. Like, oh, I'm big. Oh, I'm fast. Oh, I can punch hard. Because what happened if you fight a guy that's faster, that's faster than you? Or what happened if you fight a guy, you punch hard, but he can take your punch. You punch don't bother him. But that doesn't exist in this game that much. Nope. It really nope. does. And you expose that. He kept saying, he kept talking about his size. If you watch the face-off. He like you're not gonna stand on the inside with me. I'm like, why you think that? Cause I'm big. I'm big. My size. I said to myself, this dude is so obsessed with his size. First of all, he's not that big. He's like a half inch taller than me. He just get fat in between fights, and I don't. 
The okay. second of all, last I checked, you weren't going to do a bench lifting contest before. No doubt about it. Right, right, right. I mean, right. Last I checked, right? Right. Or, right. or you're not going to do like the wrestlers did when they actually could pick up the boxer right. and, and Rocky, whatever number right. that was, 104. Right. <laughs> you picked him up in the air. Right. That's right. not where you're going. He was so obsessed with his size and his, he thought he was so much bigger than me. He had this weight and he's putting his hand over my head like he's so but much. But that was his weakness. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. You exposed his, yeah. his, you exposed his weakness, his shortcoming in what he depended on, mm-hmm. what he thought. It's all about what you yeah. think. You know by now, 75% of this business it's is mental, yeah. right here. Mm-hmm. And you, you opened the door on that for him. Because basically, if he can't be stronger, he can't win. He can't win. In his head. In his mind. Yeah. That's all that matters. That's all that really matters, yeah. If, if he can't be stronger... He's depending on that in order for him to have the confidence to win. But to his credit, he did try into the end. But it wasn't oh, yeah. the same it wasn't the same gump and the same push that I seen with like, for example, he fought Austin Trout. Austin Trout was that's the fight we really watched. He told me to see, oh man, forget the Tony Harrison fight, forget the Lara fight, watch the Trout fight. I'm like, yo, I'm not even in the South Pole. I'm like, I don't want to watch the Trout fight. Like, yo, just watch the fight. The Trout so, was in front of him. Yeah, but Trout was hitting him. Making he was turning him, making a miss. But he said Trout starts showing fatigue. He starts showing discomfort. And that made that gave him hit some morale. And he was moving too much. And a lot of people know Trout was coming off of like a, a year and some change layoff. He had just fought Jamal Charlo. And he took off. And he jumped right into the Jared fight. And I thought he did really well. And I thought his corner stopped the fight a little bit too soon. And a big fight like that. I told him, don't ever stop a fight on me. We ain't working together no more. You stop a fight on me. But um, I thought uh, Trout was doing really good, but he was moving too much. He was showing too much discomfort. Every time he hit him, he falling all over the place. And it gives him it gives him life. So I said, if I if I move from move away from this man in his hometown, he's a downhill fighter. His fans want to get into it. I'm going to have a real fight on my hands. So it's better if I go to him early or get in, at least get in the mid-range and put out that fire with water. To that point, when you knocked him down in the second round, it was beautiful. Could you see, we've had fighters on in the past that have said, like once I saw like the guy Teddy Trains when he beat um, Adonis Stevenson mm-hmm. for the title, he said Adonis Stevenson rocked him in the 10th. And he mm-hmm. said when he came back out in the 11th, he could see in in uh, Stevenson's face that he was defeated. Right. When you knocked him down, at any point, did you feel the emotion or the momentum switch where he looked any different or did he have the same demeanor all night? Not really. I, I did see some, but not in the second round. My trainer told me I was going to knock him down. He like, yo, trust me, when you hurt him, just don't go crazy. You're going to knock him down because you hurt everybody, even despite people saying I can't you punch. You saw deterioration later in the fight. Though. Later in the fight. It was too early. In his head, I think he still has some hope. Like, okay, I'm a slow start. Because in his head, they put. it's funny how the, how the mind works because they put in his head that he's just a slow starter, and now he's really starting slow. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like he just, In the perception just, of reality. You don't give away the first three, four rounds to nobody. People start talking about the whole lead him to the fight. Oh, we know he's a slow starter. What are you going to do? I said, well, I plan on winning every round. The fight start when that first bell ring, not in the fifth round, despite what y'all trying to make like light of his uh of his flaw. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know, man. It's just the way the Tell whole me. the whole the whole promotion, the way they set it up, it was so disrespectful. But I just stayed patient. I didn't even complain because I knew I was going to win. I know I would make the I would make them look so so dumb. And I love Fox. I don't want to like 
like crap on Fox, yeah. but I think that they got to do better. Is if if you promoting these what fights, what are you talking specifically about the commentary? the commentating? Yeah, in the, in the way that in the way that the fight was promoted through Fox. If you if you're supposedly putting on great fights, you want to get a million viewers, a hundred million viewers, or whatever they want to get. You can't tell people, listen, one guy's gonna win and one guy's here to lose. You got to make it seem like it's a it's gonna be a competitive fight. You can't. Just rob the coat seller, the A side, the whole. I know he was the A side. I mean, something you got to accept. Sometimes too, you know, it can be shilling. It could be because they have one guy on their side that they're promoting. Mm-hmm. That's but that's, technically, let's be honest. technically, we're signed with the same people. Yeah, but but they they have a guy who's undefeated. You're mm-hmm. not undefeated for sure. And and that penny is shinier than this penny. But sometimes no. But that's how they the think. Undefeated I'm record not saying don't it's mean, right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I'm no, not no, saying I, it's I, right. Uh huh. I'm just saying that's what they mm-hmm. hook onto. Mm-hmm. That's that's what they're going with. Yep. But also it could be ignorance. It could be... I think it's a little bit of both. You're smart. Mm-hmm. Well, the nice but, thing is you expose that, and now the ball's in your court. Because yeah. they don't know yeah. necessarily who are they to tell you who's good and who's not good. Right. Because... Some of the people that's not even boxing guys. Yeah. They don't really... I mean, they've seen him in the fights that they've seen him, mm-hmm. but they haven't seen necessarily... You in those mm-hmm. fights, mm-hmm. they haven't been watching you right, to right, that to that right, level. Right. Let's be honest. Yeah, probably the only time they would watch is the one you lost. Mm-hmm. That's but, what they did. But the yeah. comeback fights, the fights mm-hmm. to to get things right, mm-hmm. to to get you to where you needed to be for this fight, they don't necessarily see that. No, so they don't necessarily, and they're not purposely doing it, but they don't necessarily have the ability. To really appreciate what you are yep. and what you're capable I agree. of. And I'll say one other thing. And for me, this is the most important thing. People, boxing, careers, life, it's a journey. It's it's not you get from point A to B. No, you, you, it, it, there's a lot of stops between this mm-hmm. point and that point. Mm-hmm. And those stops are important. Mm-hmm. And, no, and what you learn during those stops during the passing of those places is going to tell where you're going to wind up. And a lot of times people don't see that. They they see the loss, the the stoppage loss that mm-hmm. you had to follow, and they don't see what you gain from that fight. Mm-hmm. They only see negative. See because as a yeah. society, right. that's what we do. Right. Especially now with social media and they just see yeah. they just see the negative. Yeah. But they don't see that that fight for me and this is the first time I talked to you, mm-hmm. but for me, that fight was the coming of Julian Williams. I think so. I think so. Talk to it. Go ahead. Well, what I didn't do was blame everybody. I didn't fire my. I didn't fire nobody on my team. I didn't say, "Oh, it was your fault," because you know we didn't have me prepared. We we did. We it's cool. You know, we take the backlash. We take the the the, the pay cuts and on the bottom of everybody undercuts. I knew I was going. I knew I was going to get back. Um, we just went back to the gym and just worked on every single thing. Let me ask you a question. Forget about the technical things. Big mm-hmm. deal. Big mm-hmm. deal. I get it. For me, what did you find out about Julian Williams in that fight? For mm-hmm. me, that's what that fight was about. Nothing. Because what? I knew I had heart. I knew I had skill. I knew I had determination. What What did you What did you learn from that fight, from that experience mm-hmm. that you didn't know going in that it would take? I mean, you you understood the conditioning. Mm-hmm. You understood the throwing certain combinations, certain distance from certain places. Mm-hmm. Don't leave with the left hook in front of the guy. Right. All, all those basic things, mm-hmm. right? You understand range, distance. Mm-hmm. But 
what didn't you understand until that night that maybe, maybe about what you controlled, about about not really understanding how much what was going to happen was in your control, was was kind of like the, the, the first time you experienced something. You, no matter how you prepare for it, until you experience something like that, you're not quite prepared for mm-hmm. it. You know, the first time when you're a kid, right. and this is without getting punched, but when you're a kid and you ask a girl to dance and, and you, and she answers, there might be no words come out of your cotton mouth mm-hmm. because, because you, you, that feeling never existed before. Right? right? It, it just never existed. Right. You, you prepared your mind for it, mm-hmm. but until you do it, until you feel it, yeah. that, that feeling overcomes you. Right. That's the thing for the fighters that are listening to this to learn, and, mm-hmm. and people in life to learn. No matter how you prepare for that, I just know that until you went through that moment, yeah. there had to be things in that moment that you just didn't understand mm-hmm. the way you did afterwards. I think getting knocked down, because before that fight, I've never been knocked before or after. Before and after that fight, I've never been knocked down in my life, amateur or pro. So... I didn't like. I must. I say one mistake I made is that I, I I was a little bit anxious and I didn't respect his power. Did I let me jump in because when you were talking, I was going to say mm-hmm. again, this is a little more difficult than most people will be used to hearing this question, and some people will say, "Where'd that come from?" They they don't understand it. But did you find out that you allowed yourself to get knocked down? In that fight. That I allowed myself. I don't know what you mean. allowed yourself in a way that you didn't know what you didn't, you weren't prepared mentally for the things that you had to be prepared for. The, the, the continued consistent level of concentration. No. Whatever you want to call it. Up until that point of my career, I was mentally prepared as much as I can be without having the necessary experience. In that fight. But did you find out that moment of, what overtook you in that fight? What happened to you? The feelings, like asking a girl to dance for the mm-hmm. first time. Mm-hmm. The feelings that came, that that just rushed at you, which you had never had experience with before, mm-hmm. those feelings. Mm-hmm. That those feelings that just came at you from all directions, that you just, you weren't prepared for those feelings. You, they, I, I'll give you an example. No, to be honest... I was I was a hundred percent prepared for that fight. I think that no, I don't mean in the conventional. Sense. I know I know exactly what you mean. You mean mentally prepared. And no, I no, was, even you were prepared up to what you ex- could expect that fight to be for sure. Until the fight was what it was. Well, you can't you can't be you can't have you an experience can. until you have the experience. What I'm saying is you had to go through. You, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is you had to lose to win. Absolutely, I believe that. I believe it because you got to. You I just this 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 one feels so much better. Uh, after what I went through for the past three years. Did you find out in that fight that no matter how the pressure makes you mm-hmm. feel, of the new pressure, mm-hmm. all right? Uh, no matter how the moment makes you feel, that you and only you are in control of what you do, not him. Yeah. Could it be for a second that it almost feels like he's in control of you? Who, the opponent? Yeah. No. Never? never, never, because George Foreman in his fight with Ali, right? He had never been in that place. Mm-hmm. He was able to physically dominate everybody, mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah. And then that night, 
something different happened. And he got to a place where he had never been before. Yeah. There was there was there was no preparation for it yeah. until it happened. Yeah. Like you. Yeah. And he felt in that fight, what uh, during that fight, it got to the point where he forgot that he was in control of his choices. Mm -hmm. That Ali made him forget you have a say. Right. It's still your say, even if you're tired. Right. It's still your say. And he forgot for a moment that it was his say. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Did that happen a little bit? In I don't the... think so. I just think that to be to be quite frank, I just think I've like, if you did you ever did you watch the fight? Yes. You watched the whole fight? This fight that you just fought. No, I'm talking the about Charlo the Charlo fight. fight. No, no. Okay. I when, saw that. When you get a chance, go watch it. I uh I was doing really well. I thought I probably was I should have been how many rounds? When you say it was doing well, how many rounds? It was the fifth round. No five round title fights. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I, I'm just. You're right. No, you're right. You guys got into just, an exchange and he threw a sneaky little right up, right hand uppercut and caught mm -hmm. you right on the chin, right? What happened was is I uh, I overshot a right hand. I was, it was so easy to hit him. And I got a little bit greedy and anxious at the same time. And I overshot my right hand. He counted with a beautiful shot. Was it and right uppercut? Was it right uppercut, yeah. Yeah, because when I first saw it, I was like, what even hit him with? I yeah, didn't it catch uppercut. it. And yeah. they yeah, show replay. Keep talking about what happened after that. Uh, like I said, I got a little bit greedy and anxious at the same time. If it is. Yeah. We have a good producer here, by the way. Oh, he was, I didn't, quick, I didn't even realize his TV. quick right uh, hand uppercut. You have a good trainer. We have a good producer. You talk about it. He, you about the crack of my ear. And he one, shows one, two, Yeah. Down. The right hand it was just landing so flush, and I just boom right there. It was just so easy, and I just and you fell in. I did it on purpose so I could stop the return. Yeah, he made a really good adjustment. He started fighting off his back foot instead of his front foot. Like right now, he's on his front foot. I just got a little bit too greedy with that right hand. I should have put it in my back pocket a little bit and saved it. But there's thoughts going on in your mind that were not going on in your mind prior to this fight. I guarantee it. What do you mean? Thoughts as far as what? Thoughts of just not as strong, not as clear, maybe as they had been in other fights. Up to, been, at this point, there's there's no... Everything was going like how we planned. We was really prepared for this. Like, uh, like the game plan was, was good. We had a really solid no, game no, plan. No, no. Everything technically is fine. I'm talking about... The emotional, right there. Yeah, you got caught there. He just overshot the right hand just a little bit. But were there moments before that when he made his adjustments, which you honestly said before, you you said during this round he made adjustments. Mm -hmm. Things of this nature are so subtle. Mm -hmm. if, if they were neon, if they lit up like the lights on Broadway, right. We don't recognize it. Right. But they're, they're subtle. And sometimes you're not even aware of it. Mm -hmm. But I'm watching your body language there. And it just changed subtly. Tiny bit. Mm -hmm. Tiny bit. Mm -hmm. But from probably the earlier rounds, which I could kind of guess were pretty solid for you, mm -hmm. and even early in that round, to that a little adjustment where some of your shots missed, you got counted. You handled them. Right. But the... 
you were being taken to a little bit of a different place. Mm -hmm. A little different place. At a different time in the fight, later in the fight. Right. And just subtly, your body language was just changing just a little tiny bit. And that's what I'm talking about, that until you breathe that air, until you've been there, right. until you've climbed that Mount Everest, you mm -hmm. say, hmm, well, there ain't much <laughs> oxygen up here. You know, it's a little different. Until you do that, you're not completely aware of what it is that you're fighting. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm saying. I know what you mean. That makes sense? Yeah. And when you you came in there with no faint in that moment, mm -hmm. you came in a mm -hmm. little naked, mm -hmm. a little cold, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. You can't do that with that level of a fighter mm -hmm. because you'll pay a price. Yeah. But... Maybe if there wasn't just a tiny, subtle deterioration, maybe you wouldn't have came in quite that. I, I don't want to use the reckless word mm -hmm. because it's too big a word. Mm -hmm. But you would not have come in quite that without regard for mm -hmm. something. There would have been a little bit more tightness mm -hmm. in your approach. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. And But the bottom line is what happened after that? What did you go through? After that, because for me, you don't win the fight. You don't win this fight you just won, this magnificent fight you just fought, and a great lesson to a lot of people out there when we get into your story of people that should really, truly be motivated by you. Mm -hmm. That that for, I say it all the time, there's no other sport like this sport where no matter where you came from, no matter what's happened to you, no matter what life has done to you, no matter what you've done to yourself in life, if you're prepared for one night, if you don't make excuses, mm -hmm. if you're strong enough for one night, if you're determined enough for one night. 36 minutes. 36 <laughs> minutes, baby. You can make life right. Mm -hmm. You can make life fair. You can make up for everything. Yeah. And you did that. Yeah. You should be speaking in places. You should be, uh, the obvious places is, you know, schools and and gyms and athletic places. I want some high but, school on Wednesday. They, they actually beautiful. Uh, but, but, me up. But the yeah. less obvious, mm -hmm. I want to see you speaking in businesses mm -hmm. in front of CEOs. For sure. You know, and, and that, because they all have their own fight. Mm -hmm. Everyone's got Everybody their own. Everybody got a fight. Everyone's yeah. got a fight. Yeah, for sure. It's so, just different. Some is just different from others. That's all. So what I'm saying is I know that the fight just started after that loss. Mm -hmm. And I believe, as my name is Teddy Atlas, I believe that without that fight, you don't fight the way you're not capable of fighting the fight you I agree. fought. I agree with that 100%. So, so talk to us. Tell us what it, why that's true. Well, first I had to go back, and I think maybe I was, at that point in time, I was a little bit just, my whole approach was maybe just a little bit too anxious. And I had to grow some patience. And after I lost, I only had four fights in three years. Everything slowed down. Money slowed down. You know, everybody wrote me off. So it made me, it made me, I had no other choice but to work on my patience. Because I knew I would, I knew I'd be back. I got a, Al Heyman, he's the best in the business. I got a, the best, the best coach in the business. I got all the pieces around. I got great, uh, uh, sponsors with Snack and Victor Conti. You know, I got great conditioning coaches. I got everything around, all the pieces around me that I need to make it to this level that I'm, that I made it to last weekend. But, um, I just, it was something within myself where I knew I had to like just be patient. 
Can I replace a word patience with another word? What's up? Control. That too. That too. I think it's all, it's all like snowballing in one. And, patience. And for me, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You didn't understand what control was and, right. what, and what it wasn't. Right. Until you understood what it yeah. was. Yeah. You thought you were in control. Right. When you were fighting Charlo. Right. But you weren't. Right. Not to that level. Mm-hmm. Because your coach is very smart. Mm-hmm. He said, you were over anxious. But what is over anxious? Mm-hmm. Lack of control. Yeah. So you weren't quite in control. Right. Of of the reins on that horse, but I think that's a, a a bit of a maturity thing. It is maturity, but how do you get maturity? Go through things, experiences, and you have to go through it. Yeah, and listen, sometimes you could go through it, and maybe it's not as devastating as that was. That was devastating. That was devastating. <laughs> yes, but sometimes it has to be that. Right, for sure. And I'm just saying, everyone has a journey, mm-hmm. and your journey for me, you do not. I say it again. You do not, because when you believe something, you say it again. Mm-hmm. You do not get to herd and go in there with this. I know, right. Expecting to if win without that. that. Yeah. And I want people to hear that out there. And I want them to be explained to by you. Because this isn't just about, you know, how you slip a right hand. Right. <laughs> or, or how do you go to the body. Right. No, it's it's about how do you... Take handle, certain, handle certain things because how, how a lot of people yourself? a lot of people can come back from that. Yes. Um, I think that well, a lot of these new age fighters can come back from that. Let me tell you something that happened back in 90, 90, 1995, That's no big deal. No social media, you know. Tony uh, uh, Terry Norris gets knocked out in the first second round by Julian Jackson, and Terry Norris is in the Hall of Fame and Julian Jackson is not. I think he's about to go in, right? He's about to go in finally. No, he's going in. He's going in, yeah. But Terry Norris been in years ago. The he's Hulk go- is going in. He can punch. He's good. Yeah. He's good. He, he deserves to be in. Yeah. But um, you're right. He Tony T- Terry Norris go- ends up having a better career. Um, everyone wants a, everyone wants that shiny car now. Yep, yep. Everything happens so fast now, and if you take one loss, oh, it's over for you. And you know the promoters act different, managers, trainers, but back people in act the old different. Days, you remind me of an old school mentality, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, you know. You're an old soul mm-hmm. to me. A lot of people tell everybody tell me that. And in the old days, you weren't getting warmed up to you lost a few. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, 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 your trainer say after loss, he turned around and say, "You now you're almost ready for the garden." <laughs> what? <laughs> nowadays it'd be right. the same. What you say? Right. You're ready for the glue factory. Right. But but then now you're almost ready. Right. Come on, more fights like that. Not that you. I think I think that. Boxing is taking away what's best about the sport. They're taking away the originality, the originality of the sport by the direction it's going in now. Like we're with the everything got to be 40, 50, and everybody's not going to be undefeated. That's not the way boxing goes. Floyd Mayweather is uh, once every 15, 20-year talent, and the way his career was moved, that don't happen that often. I mean, think the last couple of years. Ricardo Lopez, he had a draw. Floyd Mayweather... I can't think of the most who retired and defeated. And Rocky Marciano, Kawasaki, who else? It's four fighters in the last. Oh yeah, in Ward. It's five fighters in the last uh, 60, 70 years. Yeah, it's a good point. It's not gonna happen. I think that the sooner boxing and the networks and everybody understands this, then we're gonna see the best fights because I think that the fighters are so scared to lose their O, they'd rather take short money if they know they're gonna win then test themselves and take long money because if they lose, it's like, oh, man, he's done. You know what we, we, we didn't mention with this? What's up? We didn't mention 
all the fighters who got to 20 and 0 without taking a fight like you took against mm-hmm. Charlo to, to learn the things they needed to learn, mm-hmm. to, to give them what they really needed to get to that next level. How many of them got to 20 and 0, 18 and 0, 17 and 0, yeah. 21 and 0, and you don't hear about no yeah. more? We're yeah. not talking about that. Yeah. They're gone, vanished, yeah. finished, yeah. off to Pluto. Because if they would have been given that opportunity to fight that fight where you take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. Well, and I don't mean a deep breath just I know what physically. You mean. Deep breath, like I'm tired and I gotta dig, I gotta dig deep. I gotta find myself. Yeah. I, I gotta find out some stuff. Yeah. I gotta get some questions answered. If you don't know, you don't know. I, I, but now I'm gonna find out. Right. And rather than go into that fight where you didn't find those things out. Mm-hmm. And then it's, and then it's, well, it's too debilitating for some yep, people. Yeah, they're gone. Yeah, that's they're, why they can't. They can't handle it. They're gone, and their career is over with. But they, you're not. You know, there's that old saying: "Pay me now, or pay me later." <laughs> Everybody's get, paying. Everyone's paying, right. baby. You know, right. pay me now, or pay. Mm-hmm. I like that mm-hmm. because it, a lot of guys think, "Oh, they're doing me a favor. They're giving me all these guys that you know you you can fill out the scorecard uh, before yeah, the fight." Right. That's, that's, and, no, that's and, a disservice. And, but it's a disservice yeah. because how many guys that could have been formed into fighters mm-hmm. don't get that chance? They think they're getting what they want because but everyone. In all fairness, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you up. It's not no, just it's a fighter. It's the managers, the promoters, the networks. Everybody wants this glossy thirty and no thirty knockouts, no draws. You know. Uh, super marketable. That's not the originality of boxing. It's great if the guy make it to thirty and zero. That's amazing. But in all in all fairness, in all reality, that that's a lot of times that's not the case. You can still be a great fighter if you had a loss. I ain't never seen a fighter better than Sherry, Sherry can Robinson. Can we get that up, Rob? Uh, here we go. He got so 16, 17 losses. You say great. Nineteen you losses. Segue me into this beautifully. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Because you're going to see something right now. Yeah, I, For me, the greatest fighter of Henry all time. Armstrong, Henry yeah. Armstrong. Now, that's not even yeah. his record. He had 300 fights, but some of them are some listed. Are, are recorded, okay? Right. All right. And he had over 100. Look, how many knockouts? 101. Oh, yeah. my goodness. And he had, okay? and he had titles in like three different divisions three, all at one time. All at one time. That's ridiculous. And he really won the middleweight 15-round decision with uh, Severino uh-huh. and Garcia. And they robbed him. Mm-hmm. It was a draw. Mm-hmm. He really had four. Wow. Four. The greatest of all time. For mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. A monster. Right. Okay. You ready? Let's go to the beginning of his career. You ready? Got to go about long. three pieces. About three gotta, pieces. Got to go a long <laughs> way. All right. You you bring lunch with you. Okay. We'll drink some water because I don't want you dehydrated. <laughs> All right. Here it is. What do oh you wow! Think? What wow! Do you, go ahead. Wow. And let me tell you something. Right. Those dudes back then were ten times tougher than the men now yeah, because they that. had to be. Look at that. Look. Yeah. Well, it's ridiculous. Well, look one at in, that. One in one, one in five. But one in four. how did he lose his first fight? Yeah. That decision. Crazy. Got KO'd. The greatest, maybe the yeah. greatest fight of all time. Yeah, crazy. You got to have a lot of resilience to come back from that. And this time, he don't even make it that far because everybody would have been like, man, they just we, shoot him off. We we should make TV executives, yeah. promoters, yeah. managers, yeah. fighters. Watch these things. Yeah. Look at this. Because they're, you know I mean, careers are getting thrown to the wayside. Because a, a, a guy took a, maybe a loss or two. He's really a good fighter. And all he needs is like a little bit of fine-tuning and some time and somebody to care about him. And, you know, to have what I have. And he could really be a, a – a, I, I watched it. I see it in the gym. I've been in the gyms in Philadelphia since I was 12 years old. I've seen this stuff happen millions of times. Sometimes people just don't got the right guidance. They don't got the right promotion. They don't got the right managing. Exactly. And that kind of stuff happens. 
But Dude, just so happy with that's in the difference in you, 1931. You know, people would go somewhere else and it's yeah. a long, long record and say, that was the fight where he found himself. Yeah. I'm going to say these are the fights. Right. These are the fights where right. he understood yeah. what this game was about. Yeah. What, what he, what he was going to have to deal with, mm-hmm. what he was going to have to tackle in order to become what right. he became. Right. These are the fights where he learned that. Yeah. Not the fights up here. No, no. That's just the, that was He just, learned yeah. it here what this was really about. Well, you showed everyone the blueprint for that because just like you said, they, the promotion leading up to the fight, you were getting somewhat disrespected. Mm-hmm. No one gave you a chance. All you want to do is talk about me getting knocked out, knocked out, knocked out, and knocked down by Charlo. I'm like, dude, y'all know I had four fights since then, right? You guys do know I, was, I had 30, almost 30 other fights before. I did win a fight before. <laughs> and four but, fights against good fighters. Yeah, that, solid fighters. Yeah, solid guys mm-hmm. that you took, again. I'm I was an underdog say, in one of them. You took what you learned. Mm-hmm. What you went through, more control, mm-hmm. and you used it to win those fights yep. and to be ready for this fight. Yep. Everything, it's not just those four fights. It's the 22 fights before those two. It's the Charlo fight. It's the fight after. Everything snowballed into one. All the training I've been doing for the past nine years with my coach before, before we turned, when we first turned pro, everything snowballed into this one night, and I put it together for that 36 minutes. It's not just the, the the four fights after the Charlo fight, even though that, they played uh, huge parts in the fight. I just think that everything came together on the right night. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is the um, you and Hurd seem to have tremendous mutual respect. You mm-hmm. mentioned his mom in the post-fight comments. Did you know her leading up to that? And what was the relationship between you and Hurd and or his mom prior to the fight? I don't honestly have a relationship with them. You know, what it is is me and Hurd. Fought on a couple of cars like together. I think it was one or two cars together. Two cars actually. Last week we fought on in April, and we fought in December on the same car. And his family is just so like they they like he got a really good family, and uh, we never really like did too much talking before our fight. I think I shook his hand maybe once, and uh, we probably we, we pretty much knew the fight was coming in the pipe. But um, he's got a, he got a really good family, and they always like so like they they embrace me and mm. they show me a lot of love, you know. So. They kind of, he kind of like, he, he he's a reflection of his family, and I can see it in him. You know what I mean? So uh, there was no need to be talking trash, and it, it's we gonna fight. I know he's a dog. I'm pretty sure he knew I was a dog, even though I think he underestimated me a little bit. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so it was no need to, to trash talk. You know what I mean? I love it. I love yeah. when guys. You were a that. smarter dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because my mentor Customato used to say, "When you guess what, Daddy, I I got news for you." You're supposed to be tough to be in this mm, business. For sure. Yeah. Right, right, right. It's not like you so oh, he's tough. Right, right. Um, no, it's supposed to be. Right. It's not like you see a good lawyer in a courtroom. Oh, he talks well. Mm. Why is a lawyer? I think he better talk well. If he didn't mm. talk well, I don't think he'd be a lawyer. Right. Right? Yeah, so, Cuss used to tell me, Teddy, you get two tough guys. And then one is smarter than the other. They're both tough. That one goes up here. Mm. He's tougher. He becomes tougher. He becomes tougher, right. Because he's smarter. Right. That was you in that fight. Mm-hmm. And you could have done it on the outside. You did it in spots. But yeah. on the inside, make him miss more. Mm-hmm. Not getting him with the uppercut the mm-hmm. way he was. Mm-hmm. Not keeping your head in the middle. Mm-hmm. Turning him. Yeah. Moving to the side. Stepping around him where, where he probably didn't even know what was going on. Except that I can't quite get off. But it's all just fundamental boxing. Things that I think that he lacked. And Go ahead. It's just fundamental boxing. 
I know and, what you were about to say. You're trying to catch yourself. You're trying to be better than that. Yeah, because you don't want to knock somebody. I don't. I don't because I'm because I do think he's a great fighter. I do, and I I mean it. And I don't want to take credit for myself. I just be the great fighter, a really good fighter. I don't want to throw that word great around so lightly. No, it, but he's a great, right. and he's in his own right. He's a, he's he's one of a, a really spectacular run for these past couple of fights. Ever since Larry, nobody really wanted to fight him. He's been non non title defenses. He went there in Vegas. He 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 beat him. He beat a good Austin Trout. He beat a motivated good boxer in Tony Harrison. He's a good fighter, but I think that I was always taught fundamentals since the first day I walked in the gym, and I stick on I, I stay to my I stick to my fundamentals no matter what's going on. At least I tried to. And I knew the fundamentals would get me over. It's not fundamentals just one, two, jab, right hand, left hook. It's stepping around. It's keeping your hands up. It's pacing yourself. You know what I mean? That's how, that's what want me to fight. I didn't do nothing spectacular. How about mental fundamentals? I had to gain that over the last two or three years in the, in the, in the, in the mental patience that I, that I built over the last few years. Control. Control. And that's what I was missing in that fight and it showed. You know, I get in this fight, I look like a completely different fighter, but I just grew. I was 26 then. I'm 29 now. If I was the same fighter back then, I just wasted three years of my life, you know. So I just grew. You you have the right attitude. You really do. Mm-hmm. That's why you're a champion of the world mm-hmm. right now. Unified. Unified. Baby. <laughs> I <thought that> <laughs> Unified, baby. You know what I find very interesting as a match. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be matchmaker, right. but but I I just find it because of all the things we just talked about about everyone having <clears> their individual <throat> journeys mm-hmm. in life. And most people aren't aware of it. And Ken's going to lead you into in a minute. You talk about that backstory of you, mm-hmm. your life, yeah. because people are going to be like, "Oh, oh, right, wow." And and you're not only this fighter, but you're this person, mm-hmm. this this person that anyone would be proud of, right? That if that I, I'm very blessed. Mm-hmm. I have two beautiful children, mm-hmm. but from what I know about you. If if you were one of my children, I'd be proud. Right. Because not because you're beat her. I know what you mean. But right. the person that you mm-hmm. that for me it seems that you have become. Mm-hmm. And you know, for me, it, it's a. I mean, we're, we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, that story and that that journey, you know, to to get through the things. That you got through. Mm-hmm. Um, matter of fact, I'm going to let Ken kind of just go into that, uh, into where, what he had to go through to get to this point in his life. Yeah, and when you hear the story, I think what, what once you tell it, I think what makes it so impressive is how thoughtful and considerate you are the fact that you can compliment his family mm-hmm. and he's t- calling you short at the press conference because obviously <laughs> there was a much different vibe at the end of that fight right. versus the end of the charlo fight right. which i want to come back to sure. but let's before we get into any more of the actual boxing i want to i want people to understand a little bit about you and kind of your journey and your childhood mm-hmm. do you want to um speak to i, I don't want to put words in your mouth or i don't want to lead you i want to just Turn it over to you. Kind of walk us through your upbringing and okay. your life. So basically, I grew up in West Philadelphia, and uh, I grew up in a single parent household. You know, um, it sounded like it maybe. See, I don't like the. All right, so. It's, I'm not gonna say it's cliche because it's my story. You know, what I mean, I went through it, so it's not cliche. But where I come from, it's not. It's not. It's, it's normal. 
it's not right, but it's normal. But I grew up in a single parent household, and my mother had four kids. Uh, I got two brothers and one sister. I got three sisters, but two of them from my father. But um, on my mother's side, I got two brothers and one sister. We grew up all in the uh, in the same house in West Philadelphia. Now, my mother was uh, addicted to drugs. I really didn't really understand when I was a kid, um, like drug addiction and stuff like that. So, like, I would be, of course, you know, I was a little bit upset, especially when I found out and, like, things started getting really bad, you know. But uh, on top of, despite her being uh, a drug addict, she was a really good parent. I think sometimes people think, get it mistaken, like, when I say my mother had a drug addiction, they think that she was like a terrible parent. She wasn't. She was a really good mother, and she worked really hard. I just think that life just, along with life, life just beat her up uh, over the course of time, you know, uh, working jobs and, you know, being a single parent and, you know, trying to make sure our kids got the best of the best, you know. But with all that being said. It can be and, pretty scary being a single parent. Yeah, man. It's just I, I, We my, talk about fear. You know, we talk too much in society about fear <clears throat> of, like, if somebody's going to throw a punch at you, yeah, that kind of fear. Yeah, I, don't, I ain't scared of that in the boxing there, ring. But there's a lot of fears that can be worse than that. I don't want to be. I, I hate being home. I don't want to say I hate it, but when my when when my woman leave me home for with my daughters for four hours, I'm like, where you at? Like, it's tough, man. <laughs> I t- can't you, do it. You're it's preaching tough. to the choir yeah. with people. My wife leaves me alone with the kids. It's not for men. I'm like, it's not for men. House might as well be on fire. It's yeah, mode. yeah. So I can only imagine my mother having to raise four kids on her own. She's a real small woman, about five feet tall. Work her butt off. She used to work for the for the war department in Philadelphia. You know, I think uh, after a certain time, certain point, like things started getting really, really, really bad. And I remember, um, she bought her first house, and we was living in Section Eight previously, like uh, like these like gated Section Eight houses or whatever in West Philadelphia. She bought her first house, right? That means government control. You got it. Uh, yeah. What, what like, the cost, what, what the rent is. You got it, yeah. Um, she bought her first house, but the house was like, it was it was condemned. It was like a really bad house, but she was supposed to like get it fixed up and like, it was just a lot. So we moved into the house while it was still like condemned. But it was like, when I say it was bad, it was bad, like. You, it, it wasn't livable. But to her, it was hers. It was hers, and she was proud of it. You know what I mean? Um, but make a long story short, she never really ended up getting it fixed up. She tried like little bits and pieces, but it was just it was terrible. But I think as she like got like um like deeper and deeper into her addiction, like it would just get bad. Like sometimes like the the gas the gas would go off in the middle of the winter. It was a big, like, three-story house, like, 1,600 square feet in Philadelphia. That's big because it's row houses and it's three stories. Sure. So sometimes, like, um, like the heat would go off or, like, it'd be, we'd be in the middle of the winter. Like, it'd be 15 degrees inside the house or, you know what I mean? It was just it was just tough. But like I said, somebody asked me, like, like what did you do? And you just went to, like, I tried to tell like, yo, you don't really know how poor you are until you're not poor no more. Like, it was, like, you know what I mean? Like, you have nothing to just gauge it to again. To gauge it again, you know what I mean? So You assume everyone's living a similar life. A lot of them was on my block. A lot of people was, you know what I mean? It's just when you grow up in the, in the, in the city, you know what I mean? A lot of, it's a lot of single-parent households. It's a lot of fathers that's incarcerated. It's a lot of, you know, 
kids who growing up with no heat and you know, sometimes no electric or no hot water, and sometimes they got to go get food from the food bank and stuff like this. That's just is normal. I didn't really realize like how bad things was until I start traveling with the boxing. And I start saying to myself, as a young kid, I'm 13, 14, going to the Silver Gloves and stuff like that. Yo, it's not supposed to be like this. You know what I mean? Um, it was tough, but I wasn't like, I was happy because like I said, I didn't know. So I play basketball, go to the gym in the neighborhood. You know what I mean? You with the other kids are just as poor as you. You know what I mean? Just as dirty as you. It's not like I'm, uh, Going to school in the suburbs, and I got to look at all the all the rich kids, and I'm like, you know, my shoes on the ground. Everybody's shoes is on the ground. Yeah. You know what I mean? But um, I had a I had a good childhood. It was just, it wasn't. How can I put this? I had a good childhood. It just wasn't like uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. But my childhood was it was bad, but it wasn't as bad. It was bad as far as, like, uh, stability. I didn't have a stable house for an extended period of time. So, but far as, like, it didn't it didn't ruin me, like, within my life, you know what I mean? When I went to school every day, I was still, like, just like one of the other kids, like I said before, everybody's, everybody go through this. And that's why I tell the story, because I don't necessarily like telling it, but I know this kid is going through the same thing, probably even worse. That's a good point. So, I want them to, like, oh, wow. That's why I make sure that I'm always in. So they're not alone. Absolutely. I'm always in my neighborhood because I want them to see me. That's the most damaging thing in the world. You made a real good point. When somebody feels they're alone. Yeah. That they're the only ones. Yeah. And that, that makes them inferior. Yeah. Different. Yeah. But when you find out you're not alone. Yeah. Make it easier. Like, all right, well, he did. I could do it. And can I can I say one quick thing that I, I just want to point out that you mentioned that your mom was a good mom, but mm-hmm. she was struggling with addiction. And I have some experience with this, and mm-hmm. I and I think that that's an important thing to point out to people is that just because you're addicted to drugs, that doesn't person. mean you're a loser yeah, or yeah, a bad yeah. person. Yeah. Why are you taking drugs? You're taking drugs to escape something. Mm-hmm. You're taking drugs because you're afraid of something, mm-hmm. and when you're high, you're not afraid. Mm-hmm. Or it pr- puts it to the side, and the addiction takes over, even mm-hmm. if it's just trying to score drugs right. could be take over the priority for the right. day. So that's an excellent point that you make that people who just assume, oh, if someone's addicted to drugs, they're a loser. They're not even be, worth trying. I think it could be many different reasons. What I do know is that it's a disease. It's like I got, I got, I'm pretty sure I got bad habits. I never drunk or did drugs or like anything like that, but it's things that I do that's, you know what I mean? I'm pretty sure I got bad habits. I can imagine after, like, for example, I like stopped biting my fingernails a couple of months ago. It was extremely hard. I've been biting my nails since I was a, a, a kid, kid. You're starting to get yourself in more control, baby. Right, exactly. And exactly. all these little things. Right, right. right. Uh, Most people laugh at that. But you hear, it's a small thing. You hear it's out there. Thing, right. It's, it's those right. things that can make you better. Yeah. Those things that you can take ownership over. Yeah. Control over. Yeah. To get to where you have the practice mm-hmm. to control other things yeah. that are bigger. Yeah. But it has to have practice. Baby steps. Yeah. And I want you to go on and I want you to also finish your story about the whole story of mm-hmm. Julian Williams mm-hmm. and about your father. Mm-hmm. Because you touched on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. He was incarcerated. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So my dad, he was incarcerated from... 91 to 2001. I was born in 1990. So I didn't even, I didn't know my dad. I didn't know what he looked like or nothing. 
So one day I was uh, I was in school, and my mother was the crossing guard right on the corner of my school. And she came to get me out early. She was early, like 11.30. I ain't got no doctor's appointment. Like, what's wrong? What's going on? And she like, I ran into somebody. I heard your father just got out of, out of prison. And like, how he wants to you, meet how you. How old are you? 10, 11. Yeah. It was two, I was 11. Two, yeah. No, no, I was about to. It was, this, it was the winter of 11. I was the winter of 2001. So I was turning 11 in April. My birthday's in April. Okay. So I was about 10. And uh, I think I met him maybe like, couple of days later sure. I, I remember talking to him that night though and uh then he went away again in 2000 and 2006 2007 so he did his first the first stretch was 10 years yeah right Sounds yeah like. yeah like nine or ten and then he went away again for about three or four but we got a good relationship too like that's like one of my best friends super supportive you know uh He's one of my best friends. That's great. And we don't. I, I, I can't even tell you how we had an argument. We never had an argument. I think he beat me one time for getting in trouble in school. Just one time. I probably deserved to get beat a hundred times. I was terrible in school. Um, but he's a. He, he, we had you know. I'm not gonna say a rocky relationship, but we had like an in and out relationship. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times he wasn't there. Uh, but what I what happened was I got my very first coach who actually took me out of like taught me the fundamentals and started me out at boxing. Um, he basically, I'm going to say he adopted me when I was about 13, 14 years old. And I lived with him from, till I was 19, till I graduated high school. And got he's, he's a big part of his success. A huge part of my success because he taught me about working hard, about doing the right thing, being a, being a good person. No, he's actually a really, really, really good dude. What's his name? Kenny Mason. And there's a lot of, you know, we talk about talents and strengths, right? We've mm -hmm. been talking about that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're the conventional talents, the ones that we grow up with, you know, mm -hmm. speed, power, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, sure. All that kind of stuff. And, um, and even intellect. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's also the talent and ability I know this is going to sound strange at first, but not to you it won't, of being a good person. Yeah. There's a power in that. Yeah, it is. Everybody can't be a good person. <laughs> you in the boxing business, you know that. Everybody can't be a good there, person. There's a power in that. Yeah. And that power can be taken to your workplace, mm -hmm. taken into the ring. Mm -hmm. There's a power in being a good person because yep. to be a good person, you have to make good choices, yep. choices that are hard to make. Yep. And that means that you practice in discipline in areas that are going to help you later on Absolutely, with discipline of other things. Mm -hmm. You're a perfect example of that. I try to, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I, I do believe I'm a good person, but I haven't always made the, the, the right decisions. I did some bony things as a kid and as a young adult, but, uh, I definitely think I'm a good person, and I try to do the right thing to the best of my abilities at all times. And uh, I think uh, you are a reflection of who you're around, and I'm around some really good people. So, and, I, and it just always seemed like I always got placed in around good people. Like my first coach, he was a really good dude. Um, the coaches that was in the gym with us. When, when I was first starting out boxing, they were really good people. All of them was fathers. They, had, they was like my second family. When I was going through, I was going through with the homeless situation, living in the shelter, and I would go to the gym. It was like my family. 
But it's no coincidence that you become in contact with good people because you can tell you're a good person and you're trying to to surround, Mm -hmm. even if you're not aware of it, you're putting yourself around good people. You're not hanging around with kids. It doesn't mean that you do everything right. 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 It means you care about trying to do everything right. Right. She just don't have the capacity yet to do it right. Right. But you care Mm -hmm. and you know the difference Mm -hmm. and you care about the difference. Yeah. You know, the reason I say it's a strength and the strength of yours, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you used that strength last week I in did. the ring. I did. It showed to, to, for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not picking on this guy, but I'm mm-hmm. just going to use him for an example to, to help mm-hmm. advance this point mm-hmm. for people out there to maybe be helped by it. Mm-hmm. Tyson had a lot of strengths that are really tremendous strengths, mm-hmm. like power, speed, Quickness, um, the uh, just physical abilities that it, that not a lot of people have, mm-hmm. and and even an innate intelligence, instinctual intelligence, very, very smart guy. yes, very smart guy. yeah, in the ring. But he had all, but so you would think that we're describing a very strong guy, mm-hmm. but he was a very weak guy mm-hmm. in the end. And one of one of the reasons why he was a weak guy was what we're touching on, mm-hmm. because he would do weak things. Mm-hmm. We're talking about being a good person. Not, yeah. you know, he would do things that put it this way. I'll put it in the nicest way or the easiest way for people to comprehend. He did selfish things that right. didn't care about other people's feelings, right. whether it was a woman, a man, whatever. Uh, and he would do things that only satisfied him without thought of what it did, the harm that it might do to someone else. Well, I think you also got to, I'm going to cut you over. You got to look at how he was raised up, too. No, I agree. But, he, but, he, I think he was, I, I, I looked into his story a bunch of times. I'm a huge Mike Tyson fan. Uh, I think that he was like, he had to fend for himself at a young age, so I think he never was put in a position you, to care about other people. But you learned things. We, we learn or we don't learn. Also had siblings. Like, I had a little brother that probably... Grew up a little bit worse than me. But I'll tell you who he had. When he was 12, he had a house on the Hudson River with a man named Customato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay? Sure, right, right. So let's not forget okay. that. Okay. I kind of know, I mm-hmm. kind of know. Well, you definitely why, know more than me. Why, why right. I want to say this. Mm-hmm. He did have the, you're right, he went mm-hmm. through terrible things, mm-hmm. like you. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they were worse. They, I, I don't know, they yeah. might not have been as right. bad, For sure. to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. But similar. Mm-hmm. But, when he had an opportunity to learn those things and to be taught those things by the right people around them, you have to have the capacity to make that choice that you want to learn mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. You want to care about those things. Yeah. And he didn't always make that choice. Right. That was his choice. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't then the conditions. That was his choice. Right. And what I'm saying is that when you make those choices, selfish choices of how you treat other people and, and you, it becomes part of you. Mm-hmm. Just like the good things become part of you. Right. That strength. Right. It becomes a weakness that's waiting to be brought out. Strengths are waiting to be brought out. Open right. the door, let them come right, out. Right, right. But weaknesses, are, the only difference is you're keeping the door locked. Uh-huh. You're hoping they don't come out. Mm-hmm. And then 
you get into a situation where you have to feel like that strong guy. You have to feel like that honest guy. You have to feel like that guy that is what you're projecting yourself to be. You know, that warrior, mm-hmm. that, that, that guy that, that has a light behind him when he fights. You know, he, he fights with a righteousness. Right. He fights with a strength. Mm-hmm. He fights with a cause. But then all of a sudden when you get in there and you start, the door starts to open, the shadows start to show a little bit about the things that you want to hide, mm-hmm. about the selfish acts, about how you treated somebody. Things that don't make you feel strong, things that you would want to hide from, things that make you feel that are associated with weakness, Mm -hmm. you know, doing certain things Mm -hmm. that only weak people do. When all of a sudden that's there, well, it's hard to be strong when the moment calls us to be strong. Mm -hmm. And what I'm saying is that shows itself the same way as the strengths show themselves, that those weaknesses, those want to call it whatever, bad, bad character, weak right. character. Right. That is ready to expose you, ready to attack you, the same way as the strong things are ready to save you. Right. All I'm saying is when the moment came, you were saved mm-hmm. by those strong things right. that you put in place, right. that you thought about as a person, mm-hmm. that you put in there because of what you believed in, how you wanted to feel as a person. Mm-hmm. And Tyson... And other people, not just him, right. they're attacked by the opposite right. when the moment comes. Right. I'd rather be saved than attacked. Me too. Yeah. And you and you have been. Speaking yeah. of making good choices and sacrifices, um <clears throat> I know it's warm in here. That's all right. <laughs> I tried to all give right. him some water and he says he's fasting. And I want to talk to you about it's training. Ramadan. It's Ramadan. Yeah. I want to talk to you about training through Ramadan mm-hmm. and your Muslim faith and how you got involved and um whatever you're comfortable sharing. Mm-hmm. Can I uh, ask you one thing when you go into that? What's up? Ramadan started right around. Yep. So, so I didn't really I didn't really have to Were you able to put it off? Because I I do they allow you to Yeah, you can yeah, you yeah. can you can okay, so Ramadan Because it's hard enough to train when you eat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ramadan started May fifth and my fight was May eleventh, so Okay, so Muslim travelers that's fasting don't have to fast. I'm sorry, if you're traveling and you don't have you don't have to fast, but you have to make those days up. So when Ramadan started, I was traveling to to Maryland for the fight. So basically, I fought and I would just make the days up after after Ramadan is over. When I came back, I immediately started fasting, and uh, that's it. Basically, it's been going good so far. Yeah, I'm fasting right now. Yeah, I actually I I necessarily I necessarily technically I can. I could have broke my fast today because when you're traveling, you don't have to fast. But it's only in New York, so I'm not going to break my fast. Just cause. Again, you're making a choice. Yeah. No, really. I don't want to make it like what you're No, I know what you mean. But, I know what you mean. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you're making a choice. That could have been an easier choice mm-hmm. to say, I'm going right. to, you know, not have McDonald's today. But, right. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to fast today. Mm-hmm. But you made a choice. No, mm-hmm. because I, I can make that choice. Yeah. And I want to make that choice. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's... That's how you become what you are. Yeah, yeah. I just, it's just discipline. It's just well, fasting is discipline. You gotta be disciplined to do it. And I'm pretty sure it's easier and harder on others. But um, I'm a fighter, and how about it? Sometimes how- we we don't we don't have to. When I'm drying out, or I'm cutting weight. You know what I mean? It's 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 more than just to fasting to Ramadan, just leaving off your food and your well, drink. Well, you've had practice for sure. I got practice, <laughs> but it's more to it than that. You know what I mean? It's uh, 
it's it's a lot more to it than that. It's a lot more to it than just you know. That's Talk just about the, it. I know it's the spiritual part of it. Yeah, well, it's basically getting close to getting close to your God. You know, uh, keeping yourself from in remembrance, uh, shielding your tongue. You know, uh, no backbiting. You know, it's, it's it's so much more than you just care about how you treat people. Well, that's all. That's all. That's supposed to be around the clock. You know what I mean? It's supposed to be. You're supposed to care about who you are. Absolutely, but um, it's just like it's basically being a better Muslim. You know, and it sounds like it's about being a better person. That too. That too. Were you that raised too. Muslim, or did you discover the religion later in life? Well, I got Muslim family members, and my father's Muslim, and the whole side of my family is Muslim. I wasn't born Muslim, but I took Shahada when I was about eighteen or nineteen. Um. So yeah, I've been Muslim for a long, pretty long time, almost thirty. Um, but yeah, Ramadan is, is so much more than just just Fasting. leaving off your food and your drink. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's a uh, it's a challenge. You know, I don't listen to music. You know, I try to turn off the TV. I don't really, really listen, uh, watch too much TV. You know, I'm 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 reading the Quran every day. You know, just better myself. Uh, uh, trying to gain more knowledge on on a religion. You know, every day, it's it's so much more. It's just so much more. I think people on the outside looking at just like, yes, you can you at least drink water? You know what I mean? Or can you do this? You can, like, like, I feel so bad. Like, nah, I don't feel bad for me. I'm getting so many blessings by by fasting a month for Ramadan. You know, so uh, it's a great time. It's giving yourself a chance to reflect on what's really important. Yeah, and replenish my soul yeah. because I need it. Everybody, everybody sins just in different ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh. With concentration, where concentration isn't always put sometimes. Right, yep, yep. Uh, that's good. You know, in the Catholic religion, there's something a little similar. Um, it's called, in the time to, before Easter, it's called Lent. Okay. Where you give up. Um, it's it's not as difficult as what you're doing, or it's not as um, involved across the board. It's giving up one thing that mm-hmm. you really, really like mm-hmm. for those 40 days of Lent. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. I was I was no curious to hear about it. I know you had some uh, Muslim um, comments after on the... Um, Mm-hmm. On the post fight conference, mm-hmm. and, I, and I, I liked it. It was it was cool. But let's change gears for a minute because I saw a tweet that you sent out yesterday, and I um, have a bunch of questions about this. You sent out a you sent out a tweet that read something to the effect of, "If you want to fight me, you're going to have to be in the VADA anti the voluntary anti doping agency's pool for 90 days prior to the fight." I would argue it should be like a year. We ain't doing the pool. We want stringent testing for 90 days. Not because the pool is just we might test, we might not. If you want, if if, if you want to fight me, you gotta get tested for ninety days, no events or bust. Who's that directed at? Anybody who want to fight me. That's not I, a lot of people think I'm talking about Charlo. I'm not, I'm not. That's what I thought. I'm past that, man. I'm a, I'm gonna fight that dude again. Eventually, he's only at 160 pounds. He didn't move up to 175. He ain't fighting on Jupiter. We won't fight again. You know, just remind. Can I jump in? One go ahead. Time? Go ahead. I, I was talking earlier, and then I told you to do your backstory because mm-hmm. I thought it was important. Right. I didn't want to be doing my stuff and not get right. to your backstory, so I kind of interrupted myself. It's cool. Uh, it's good to interrupt yourself once in a while. Getting that habit of doing <laughs> it. But you know what I wanted to say? What's up? For me. The most interesting fight because of the two men's journeys, really interesting, would be you and Tony Harris. I knew he was going to say that. 
I love Tony, man. I, I love like Tony. Tony yeah, a lot. yeah. But, because I like where he came from. Yeah. I like where you came mm-hmm. from. I like no excuses. Yeah. That that you you said, yeah. hey, listen, this is where I am. Yeah. I'm partly responsible for it, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. nobody else is. Hundred percent. I was in the ring. I was hundred percent responsible. Hundred <laughs> percent. I'm being some. I'm not usually right. diplomatic, and uh, right. it doesn't work well for me. Right. So I I I'll give it to that. Um, but and. Instead of excuses or anything like that or sympathy or mm-hmm. victimhood or any of too much of that going right? on yeah, in society. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. Really too much. Everybody's so weak. Everybody's That's why I think it's so important yeah. for you to talk to people. Right. Let's get that message out there. Right. I mean everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone. But anyway, I the point that I'm making is I'd love to see you and Tony Harrison mm-hmm. because the journeys were the same. Mm-hmm. You both had to pick yourself. We're yeah. going to use a cliche, right? Yeah. Everyone's comfortable. You had to pick yourself up you off did. the ground. Him too. Man. He, did. he got beat well, twice. He, twice. Yeah. And, That's not easy. And he, he got beat by Charlo and he got beat by her. No, 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 he got beat by her. And no, no, not Willie, Willie Nelson. Nelson. I'm sorry. Not Charlo. I did that fight. Yeah. I should remember. Yeah, yeah, I did yeah, it on ESPN yeah. years ago. He got beat by Willie Nelson and he got beat by the guy you beat. Yeah. So it hurt. So, and and it's the same travel where people wrote him off. Right, yeah. They wrote you off. Yeah. And he was supposed to be a future star. Yeah. You know, real good amateur, yeah. everything. Wrote him off. Yeah. Done. Get out of here. Yeah. And <laughs> and now he goes through the same journey. He comes back and what what he learned in those laws is he used as basically a roadmap, mm-hmm. a roadmap, yeah. and that that to should be back. your speech. You yeah. go out there and say, "Listen, yeah. I got the roadmap yeah. to get to where you got to get to." I think that I think I'm gonna cut you off. I think that he did it before I did it. He did, and it inspired me. I didn't say nothing because I might fight Tony Harrison one day, but I was inspired because I'm like, man, he didn't get knocked out once. He got knocked out twice. In today's society, boxing society. That's like unheard of. When he got that fight, he was ranked like number seven by the WBC. Dead sentence. Yes, they like he like the four five one underdog. Man. And he just came out there. He did not get no gift. I don't know where people get this to commentate. I don't know where people got this from. He beat him to the punch all night. He kept a jab in his face, kept turning him. He stumbled a little bit in the end, but by that time the fight was over. You know what I mean? He outboxed him all night. Outboxed him and all night. And when he had to outfight him, he outfought him. Yeah. In spots. In spots, yeah. Yeah, in spots. But he fought a brilliant fight. He did. He and did. thank God they didn't do what they usually do. Yeah, I know. I know. Give it to the house fighter. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. It's funny because they're both in the same house. Yeah. But but <laughs> but give it to the undefeated house fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? That but, shiny uh, penny. Yeah. But I'm just saying that for me, and I'm so glad you I brought it up because for me, and then to see you react that way, I'm not surprised. For me, you... You two are the same. Yeah. You know, maybe some, in some t- instances. T- yeah, a lot of instances. Tony Harrison is Julian, Julian's Tony. You know, and, and, and you right. guys went through the, you went down that same road, mm-hmm. that bumpy road. Yeah. You're more than bumpy. You, you. Everybody you, can't come back for what he did. No. Everybody can't come back for what I did. No, not, not everyone can come back what you did no. either. Yeah. And, and both of you haven't traveled down that same road and gone through the fire that you guys have gone through. I just think it's a great story, both yeah, of yeah. And for me, mm-hmm. boy, oh boy, that would be interesting. Yeah. That would be interesting. It would be good. It really would. But and it'd be I'm, a great story. And how about having a story on boxing? And you guys out there, you, you promoters, whatever. Yeah. How about network executives? Right. How about good stories? They got to do some work. How about, but how they about, do yeah, some do, work. Some work. Yeah, they don't do, no do work. some work. Do some work. And how about, 
good stories instead of stories about all these bad stories. You yeah. know how, how you know somebody's doing something uh, terrible out yeah, there and, yeah. and all that, and uh, people, oh wow, yeah. yeah. And, you know how about again? I I hate to bring up Tyson again, but mm-hmm. instead of being attached to that kind of negativity, yeah. how come? How about stories about the positive things with both your lives? How about that? That would be positive beautiful. things. Don't don't sell. That's the Let way society. It's the way society is. Make negative, it sell. negative things sell sell quicker. Why do you think uh, love and hip hop is so popular? You watch that show. <laughs> so it's terrible. It's, it's a car like, crash. It's uh, it's turning your brain into mush. People it's, looking it's, to it's see negative. other people behave so badly. Right. Thought about it's so negative honest. and negative sells and. That's the. That's but the, that's changing. I, I hate it that it's like that, but that's just the way it but is. But that's changing. That's changing. I hope you're right about that. That's changing. I hope you're right about that. I remember. I remember years ago, I had a podium on ESPN, so I said, "You know what? I can either collect my check, go home, or I could use that podium for things I think are, mm-hmm. you know, worth using mm-hmm. it for." And I used it for different things about when when these fighters get robbed. Yeah, I would go after. Yeah, the, you go crazy. Uh, go you go after crazy. Those guys, you know, judges. I remember one time saying, "Put the pictures of these judges that robbed these kids. Put yeah. it up there, and I want to put a label like they're putting cigarettes." Dangerous. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Attorney yeah, General yeah, yeah. says that yeah, these cause, are, cause cancer. Yeah, yeah, they're dangerous to your health. Right. Well, these judges are dangerous to the health of a right, fighter. Right. <laughs> and right. and well, they didn't like me. Yeah. They didn't like me. But and I remember one time going out there, and there was a fighter who was just a tough guy who went through the wars. He went through the furnace, all the things, and and he never got paid. And mm-hmm. it was getting to that point. And I was Mickey Ward, and I said. You guys out there, you're giving all these HBO. You're right. giving all these millions of dollars to these fat heavyweights that aren't right. even in shape, right? Uh, right? Give it, give it to Mickey Ward and Arturo Gatti. Mm. Make that fight. Make Mickey Ward a millionaire. Right. He deserves it. Right? Give it to him. And the f- I fight know, happened. One day I get a call from Mickey and says, "Teddy, this is Mickey Ward. Oh, Thank you. That fight's gonna happen." Wow. I was like, I felt so good. Not that I made it. I didn't nah, do, but you I deserved didn't it. You wanted to I see a good guy get a, get a break. But, but it was just to see someone get what they deserved. Right. And boxing deserves you guys. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. I'm yeah, going to say the same plea. The, thing the same is, plea. The, make their stories. Tony Harrison Tony and Julian Williams. Story. Make those stories I hear about, be, become known. I hear about all the stuff he does up there in Detroit for the kids. He got the football team and he's he giving away prom dresses and all kinds of stuff. He's, he's, he's like a really, really good dude, Sounds man. Like a Champion. Yeah, he is a champion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He is a champion. But with that being said, is that a bigger story than me fighting Charlo, Jamel, and his brother knocked me out a couple of years ago? And when they, you know they're going, because you know after I beat him, I won't go, I won't go back and get the rematch. So go beat him and then fight Tony. But, but I'm just right, saying, for sure. I, they're, I know they're, what you mean. They're all great stories. I'm just saying, like, I think, like, it depends on how you look at it. You know what I mean? Um, I honestly story. think it's a, every, yeah, it's a great story. But, but for I'm sure. not even saying that. I'm not just really saying just. But make do you the need fight. a great story to have a great fight? No, but I mean, I I just think that it helps. Yeah, it, it helps sell it. It does. And but what I'm saying is something else. I'm just saying that society needs a great mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. People need that. Yeah, they need to be lifted up. Yeah, they need yeah. to be lifted up. Yeah, I agree. That's all I'm saying. I agree. And they 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 need to look in a, to know that this direction is a good direction. Mm-hmm. That that it's something to be proud of mm-hmm. and to shoot for. Yeah. Well, it was definitely an excellent story. I want to talk to some of the um, activities you get up to outside of the ring. And I know you mentioned after. Go ahead. About that Vada testing. Yeah, please. Yeah. Unless please we do it. Unless we do it. 90 days, not in the pool. 
unless we're doing 90 days of stringent testing, Bavada, random blood testing, we're not fighting. Because these guys are cheating and they're cycling off these drugs. It's random out there. Oh, man. Rampant. Rampant. I'm sorry. It's crazy. Everybody's. Right. I didn't go to college either, so I thought you were saying the right (laughs) word. (laughs) (laughs) But, um. We get that. These guys are using drugs, man. They are. They are. They're getting caught left and right. And everyone's got an excuse. Everybody got an excuse. It's the meat. It's the. I didn't know. And I never heard a drug cheat say, oh, well, you know, I was trying to cheat. I apologize. I'm throwing my hands in there. I've never heard. You know what? I'm sorry. Gerald Miller, just the way he was cornered. That dude had more cornered. drugs in his system. He got caught for every known yeah. PED. Yeah, it's ridiculous. We talked about it on the last show. Bank, uh, officer, I, I didn't know that $200,000 sure. in, in sacks was, was, in my, was, was in my uh, trunk. Yeah, I, yeah. I, don't, I didn't know it was that. See, the thing is, it's not going to stop because... I'm going to tell you why it's not going to stop. Because they're only getting... Six month suspensions. Fighters only fight these times two or three times so a year. So it's not really a, a punishment. It's not a suspension. I'm gonna miss one fight and then I'm gonna get my fight on the back end of the year and go into the new year and I'm gonna just double up. It's not going. It's not a suspension. It's like a literally like a slap in the wrist. That's like if I go outside and kill a man, they gonna give me six months. It's not a I'm, punishment. All right, I'm, okay. You know right. what I mean? It's not a punishment. Right. It's like telling your kids, it's like telling your kids they do something wrong. Well, you know what? You, you can't go out for the rest during the week. I don't go out during the right, week. Right, for sure. Right. <laughs> I don't go out during right, the week. Right, right. So what are you taking away from me? It don't make no sense. Well, what we said about Jarrell Miller in particular is, I don't want to, I don't want to single him out. I want to single him, well, pick him up because I, I know he, I don't want to kick him while he's down well, because he's he probably he going through a tough time right now. He probably he put himself kick in himself this in very difficult position. Yeah, sure it cost a lot of people close to him a lot of money by blowing cost him a lot of money. part of it. That's, that's, that's what I wanted to get to. Let's take it easy with that. that that's because they're part of the that, responsibility. That's what I wanted well, I don't, to I don't get wanna, to. That's not my, I don't know. No, I understand. But what I would say to Jarrell Miller is we want to know where you got the drugs. Or or you get a lifetime suspension, or we'll give you a lesser suspension, but with you go talk to your people. You don't have to be the tattletale right now, but you tell them we want to know where you got right. the drugs. Period. Right. Because he ain't going into a pharmacy and asking for all these things. Oh no, you can't. You got. You got. You can't. Fighters don't know how to cycle off and cycle. Right. Off. Just like Teddy and Julian said, they didn't go to college. This, this stuff is being done by guys that have uh, higher education levels. Fighters don't have that capacity for the most part. So you're right. Somebody somewhere is giving these guys this stuff. It's not an accident. And as soon as those people are out, that's when this stuff will stop. You know exactly right. There was a couple of labs that was raided in Florida. It was a baseball player, it was a football player, there was a fighter on there, where York, his name Bowles was on there also. And those those cycles, those things are difficult to read. You know, it's it's difficult to follow. Yes, you know, Those drug tests are expensive and they have to be specific. You have yes. to test for a yes. specific drug yes. like yes. the UFC. TJ Dillashaw got suspended for EPO. That guy was being tested constantly. Someone had to tell them, hey, I know he's taking EPO. That's a very specific expensive test. They hit him with it. Boom, suspended, gone. Mm-hmm. He was the champion. Wow. And so to think that that's not happening, I mean, clearly Jarrell Miller was taking the same but thing. So, but this is a fight. For, yeah. for to make 
to the sport clean. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've said it before. It's one thing. They went crazy in baseball when there was steroids in baseball. Oh, we got to get rid of it. The president got involved. The congressman got involved. They, How come they, they ain't beating people up. They ain't punching anything. They, they ain't punching them in the face. They ain't hitting baseball bat. They're beating up a baseball. I don't care how much you beat up a baseball. It doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. But when you have stuff running <clears> through your veins and then you're using that to punch somebody in the skull, that means something. It's already a brutal enough sport. As it's it is. already exactly. rough enough already. Yeah. And I've said this on our last episodes. But now, now you're hitting somebody in the freaking head with anabolic steroids. I actually think should be charged with attempted murder because uh, that's what shit, that, that's what can happen. That's how serious you it is. Kill someone just being regular fighting. So it. how come these people? I asked the same question. These congressmen, these mm-hmm. the the president of the United States back in the day, they got involved. Why don't they care about our sport? Why don't right. they care about the people that are right. being hurt in this right. sport? Yeah. That are be, that are being damaged? That are being compromised by 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 steroids in this sport? Yeah. Why don't you maybe, care about it? Maybe this sport? because why? the people why? with why? the vested interests are contributing to those political campaigns to make sure that stuff no, never gets brought to the I forefront. I think that the, the, the reason why people don't care is because it's like if I, it's the same reason why they shoot the cows up with steroids because they get bigger, you make more money. You shoot the fighters up, they become better, you become supernatural, Get more knockouts. Knockouts produce more, produce more ratings. ratings kind of like when they were juicing a ball and juicing the, the veins of uh, baseball players. About they about home runs. runs. So the sport got more, more, it got more uh, attention. Yeah. So I think that the, the promoters is like, listen, I'm gonna just turn my turn my chair like I don't see it, and you better just don't get caught. But you know it's I mean? but it's wrong and it's dangerous. It's extremely wrong and and it's dangerous. Whereas we just made the point. It's da- where somebody who's doing it fair, somebody who's doing it without cheating, that they have to go in there in a dangerous sport to begin yeah. with, as you just said. Yeah. They have to go in there now with somebody who's got this stuff running through their veins, yeah. who can hit them on the side of the freaking skull and do crush their skull, and yeah, do damage coma. that normally they wouldn't be able to do. Right. So what I'm saying is, this is. This is an urgent matter. This this is an urgent matter in this business, in our business, in our sport. And somebody's got to lead the way. There's, there has to be a face put. Got to start it. with the fighters. There, no, but but that's why I love Deontay Wilder so but, much. But I think because he's been he's been doing testing. He, he's been doing with, testing. But you can be one of those people. Absolutely. You you Absolutely. can be that face behind yeah. it. That that poster child, if mm-hmm. you will. That mm-hmm. that 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 can be part of your fight. Yeah. You're, you're champion of the world. Yeah. You you fight for yourself. You fight for your family, but you also fight for other things. Yeah. You fight other for, fight for other clean fighters. And you, that's fighters what, that's what clean. I'm talking about. Nonito Donaire, Tim Bradley, guys like that. They were clean. Yes, they fell off at the same time as normal fighters fall off. At they've been fighting their whole life. Thirty three, thirty four, thirty five. Now dudes is. Fighting up to the. No, we're not afraid to say. I'm not afraid to say. Pacquiao is, is a name that really. That, you know what? Listen, I, I hate love, to. I, I hate to start I, pointing I, fingers. If I, I don't have no definitive proof, it's hard for no, me to I point agree. at anybody. But, but and you say, know what? It's something sometimes called common sense. Yeah. It's sometimes something called the eye test. And right. and sometimes the smell test, right. and sometimes it just don't look and it right. don't smell right. Right. And you know what? You don't you don't need so somebody. It don't look right. It ain't right. Yeah. yeah. You don't really need a, a, a laboratory to tell you. Right. You don't really need all that. Right. And listen again, he's right. I don't know for sure. And I love Pacquiao. 
He's been great for the sport. He's a good human being. He's done extraordinary things. But when you go up from the weight of a jockey, when you <laughs> when you go up from basically you start at 105, you go up you go up to bantamweight to featherweight to junior lightweight but to I lightweight. Factor to in that he turned pro at 16 years old. No, I I get factor you. That. I'm but, not sounding what he did. No, but later he, on yeah. when he when he was stopped growing, we mm -hmm. stopped growing when we were 21 basically. Right. When he stopped growing, and then he kept growing, kept getting bigger, 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 and not losing any power, not losing any speed, and then, and, and not getting any body fat right. and staying muscle. Guess what? Guess what? Mm -hmm. I, I don't exactly have to be a, you know, a scientist. A college graduate. Huh? You know you what I mean? Be. Oh, college graduate. <laughs> like my man. <laughs> to, to figure out that, you know what? If it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, duck. It might be a darn duck. And, and, and I'm just saying, that, listen, and, and he happens to be a guy that I love Pacquiao. I really do. Uh, and, and what he's done with his life and where he's come from. But that is, that is wrong. And if this champion can go out there besides the fight that he already has to fight, that he's fighting to accomplish the things that he's fighting to accomplish, can make this another one of those things, that maybe that's part of why you're here. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's part of why... Everything happens for a reason. Maybe that's part sure. of why you're here. If you can make that change, if you can be part of making this sport cleaner, mm -hmm. wow, you know what? Well, I think I need people like you behind me. You, you I got it. I think I need some more important people behind me that's... Uh, you got it. That's behind the, behind the scenes that can pull some strings because these guys are not going to stop cheating. They got to up the ban, the, 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 the punishment. It's a slap. It's a joke. The WBA suspended... Gerald Miller for six months. It is a that, joke. Here's, you know what else they I should do? I just want to WBA title. I don't want to, I'm not talking bad about him. I'm just saying they got to have a, um, uh, 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 I had a brain for it. They got to have accountability. No, they got to have a punishment. The punishment has to be more severe. Yeah. Because if you don't, why, why would I stop? If I'm a drug addict, why am I going to stop? If I'm all right, six months, cool. I'm okay. You're right. You know there has I mean? to be a reason. There has to be a strong impediment. I say two years, first first attempt, and then the second, the second, the second life ban. You're gone. I agree. I agree. Everybody got an excuse. Oh, I ate beef. Oh, I did this. I did that. Let me tell you something. I've never tested positive for a drug, and I know everything that's going to my body. I get, uh, I take vitamins, and I take iron pills, and I take, uh, I work with Victor Conti. And you know he, you know his background. He went and he's through rehabilitated. Some, yeah, he went through some bad stuff with absolutely. With but he's rehabilitated now, and he's doing a lot of good things. He's been sponsoring me since what's that, Steve? 2013, 14. He's sponsoring me, sponsoring me since 2014, and everything that he gives me, we talk about. It's nothing. No, no. Everything is overcounted. No banned substances whatsoever. See, he knows about it. He can run clinics. Yeah, for sure. He does. Because he knows that stuff. I know so much about it through Victor Conti. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, boxing has got to get better. I don't want to see nobody die. And I'm a fighter. It could be me. You know what I mean? I yeah. fight, I'm probably going to fight for another for at least five years. Yeah. I don't want to die in the ring or I, I don't want to see nobody else die and then find out somebody pops dirty. And then the then the uh, the congressman and all these people will come out and say, well, we need to change. Well, no, it's too late because no, no, the no, life no, is already No, 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 no. That's where you're wrong, my friend. 
they'll come out and say we need to abolish the sport. See, that's oh, what scares right. I me. You're saying, right, no, right. that's what scares I you're me. Saying, right. That's the difference right. between how they right. feel about baseball and right. how they feel about the people in this business. Right. right. They don't care as much about the people in this right. business. They don't. Right. They've shown it already. For sure. So for baseball to say we got to correct this, yeah. But for boxers to say we, we got to think about getting rid of it, right? And that's what scares me, right? Right. Well, cool. I don't want to keep beating a dead horse. We covered that one extensively, yeah. but I want to hear about your outside, your activities outside of boxing and specifically your real estate investments. You mentioned it during your post fight conference. Can you mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about what kind of activities you get up to in your uh, business life, if you will? Okay. So when I first started making money, like enough money to save and do stuff, I didn't really know what to do with it. And I remember. Steve is like a real estate guru. Steve got like properties all over the city. He gets like, he builds like new constructions and stuff like that. So I didn't really know how to do it, but I just watched him how he do it. And we started talking about it. He started teaching me things and telling me what I should do with my money. But me being 24, 25 years old, I remember when I was about to have my first, my first daughter, Zara. She's, uh, she's four years old now. I had her in 2015. At this time, I'm fighting every other month and I'm making really good money. And uh, it's around the time that PBC first hit. Um, I remember I had like a large lump sum of money in the bank. And I was living in a one-bedroom apartment. And I had a car that I owned. It's like a Cadillac DTS. I only paid like 4500 for the car. I had it probably about like, like $300,000 in the bank. Wow. And I didn't know what to do with it. But I grew up around Terrell Biggs, 1988 Olympic gold medalist. Fort Mike Tyson. 1980, I'm sorry, 1984 Olympic gold medalist. 88 was, uh, Lennox Lewis. He beat Lennox Lewis. That's what made, that's what, that's what, uh, he beat Lennox Lewis in 84. That's what made me, that's what, that's what threw me off. But I had a lot, a lot of conversations. He's, he, he worked at the recreation center that I started boxing at. I had a lot of conversations with Terrell Biggs. Everybody, everybody else would laugh at him and talk about him and like shoot him and, cause he's like a, like a quiet kind of guy until you start talking to him. And I remember as a young kid, 14, 15 years old, he would always tell me about all the money that he had. He was like, I would say he was like a little bit depressed. And he would tell me how he like messed up his money with drugs and hanging with Tyson, and, you know, and all the success that he had early and basically how he squandered off his, all off, squandered off all his money. And these conversations went on for about, Three, four years. Like every day I would see him, we just talk about a whole bunch of nothing. Tell me, he's like, yo, man, when you go out and you want to practice on that jab, go out in the field and practice on, like, trying to catch, like, flies with your left hand. That's how I got my jab so good. He got real good jab. It was still fast to, even with, even to when we was, I was training at gym, we had a real fast jab. And we would talk about different things, but mostly we would talk about how he messed up all his money and, you know, with the bad habits and the women and the drugs and the not training right, not living right. And it stuck with me. So when I start making this money, I'm literally living in a one-bedroom apartment and I got a car that I own and I'm not spending no money. I was about to have my daughter. So Steve's like, yo, man, buy a duplex. I listened to him, but I didn't quite listen to him. I bought a house. I should have bought a duplex first. Uh... And then after that, I bought a duplex. I'm, I'm sorry, I bought a house. I spent $115,000 cash on the house. I bought it flat out. And after that, every time I would get a fight, I just start buying houses. I would fix them up and I would rent them out. 
and that's like my way of boxes. Like you said, boxes is like we don't like the island. We don't have no pensions. We don't have health insurance. We don't have nothing. We're independent contractors, and the IRS will let you let your butt know. All you got to do is call them up. They'll let you know. <laughs> That's a good um, So this is my way of creating my own pension and financial stability for myself and for my family. You know, uh, I could this thing could be over any minute. I could, God forbid, I can get in a car accident today on the way back to Philly. I won't be able to fight ever again, you know. So I think that uh, it was super important for me to invest in something. I just, it don't make no sense to me. I see the fighters teach his own, but I see fighters go out, they make their first little bit of money, they want to buy the jewelry, buy the cars, and buy all the things that depreciate right after you buy it. Sure. I don't buy anything that can't make me no money. I don't spend over $10,000 on anything that can't make me no money. If it can't make me no money, I spend more than $10,000 on it, I don't need it. You know? I, I hope if the fighters out there are listening, this is the one thing that they take away from it. Because you see a lot of fighters do this. And I always think in the back of my mind when I see a fighter, especially up and coming kid with tons of diamond necklaces it don't make and stuff. No like, sense. What you, it, don't make no sense. it doesn't make sense. Like you, this money has to last the rest of your life unless you're going to be a road scholar when you're done fighting. Right. Or go, I want to add one thing or touch on one thing before we can finish. And that's something you touched on about you making good money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Al Heyman. Mm-hmm. Al Heyman's... Uh, made good money for a lot of fighters mm-hmm. uh he's you know he's a controversial figure out mm-hmm. there uh and he's a mystery man right but he's done pretty good for a lot of good fighters he did. Or a lot of fighters i should yeah. say how's your relationship with him and maybe you want to touch real quick we got a good relationship man al Heyman is i don't know how he do it but how can i say this he kept every promise he ever made to me you know i signed with him when i was what was I, Steve? 9-0 when I signed with Heyman? 2012 was 9-0. I was in a terrible contract with Gary Shaw. I wasn't making no money. It was fighting me once or twice a year. For a kid that's in a single-digit number of fights, you got to fight more than twice a year. Yeah. Um, I, I, I signed with Heyman. It's just been it's been good ever since. Even after the loss, he said, don't worry about it. You know, he said, man, Durant got knocked out, came back. He said, plenty of great fights. He told me, plenty of great fights get knocked out. Trust me, don't worry about it. We're going to get you back soon. You know, you're going to be you, you're gonna be a champion. And uh, I listened to him, you know what I mean? I listened to Steve. And like I said, man, I've just been blessed my whole life to just have good people around me. And I think, like, it's no coincidence, you know what I mean? I just sucked it up from everybody. Every good person that came into my life at that point in time in my life, I just sucked up all the night. Even guys like Terrell Biggs, he's a super good dude, the way he was to me at least. Mm-hmm. And he taught me a lot of things just from conversation and from his experiences, what he experienced in his career. Steve told me a lot of stuff with real estate and life experiences. My 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 other trainer Sim teach me a lot of stuff. Mr. Kenny teach me things. Uh, my first coach, he taught me a lot of things. I just was always blessed with male figures that taught me a lot of stuff about life and boxing and business and just doing the right thing, you know. So I just suck. I was I was smart enough to listen though, because everybody don't listen. That's right. I was smart enough to to take it all in and uh, be able to to apply it in my life. Boxing and business with real estate and things like that. And this will be the last thing I say. Guess What's up? What? What's up? Keep the cycle going, and you continue to help others. Yeah, you, you, I will. You're a good person. You just described a lot of good people that mm-hmm. have done good to help you, mm-hmm. that you drew from. Well, now, now you're in a position where you can continue to do that same thing and yep. help others. Yeah. 
in, the, in the, many different ways. I will. Just by telling your story. Absolutely. That's why, like I said, I don't like telling, I don't like talking about, you know, how how I grew up and, you know, my mother and that drug addiction. And I don't, I didn't even ask my, my, my siblings how they felt about it. You know what I mean? I know my little brother is, is, is okay because, like I said, he grew up worse than me. I remember when I, when things like really got bad and really hit the fan. Uh, DHS's Department of Human Services, like child services, came in. I went to stay with my dad for a few. DHS t- came and took my little brother. So my little brother was separated from my mom for years. Like he didn't grow. My little brother got adopted by a different family, you know, and uh, he had it worse than me. I remember he told me, I didn't even know this, maybe like two years ago, he told me, like, listen, I was with one whole family for like a whole year and a half and before I got adopted by the family that I stayed with. Like I didn't even know that, you know what I mean? And by the way, me and my little brother is like super close. That's like one of my best friends. Right. Uh, but he told me like, "Yo, tell the story because it happened." So tell it. You know what I mean? That's so it. that's your truth. I agree. So important. Yeah. Well, listen, we want to be sensitive to your time. I could talk to you all day about all these <laughs> right, things. Right, right. Wait, wait, wait. It's a little late to be sensitive <laughs> after we kept him here for, for fourteen hours. It's a little late to be sensitive. We're, we're just very happy we had you with us. I appreciate you guys inviting me up. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. And thanks for coming up, Steve. It was good to meet you. Take yeah. care, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Nice one, dude. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. Appreciate you. I appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah.